This is episode 84, Turning Our Struggles into Gifts and Finding Pleasure in Each Moment with Michelle Etchison. This is Erica, and you get to meet someone so super special today. Michelle is a phenomenal human being, and I have had the pleasure of coaching with her for the first six months of the year. She was a co-coach in the Content Queen's Mastermind. Rebecca, if you don't know the Content Queen, go find her, go follow her. She's magical as well. And I entered this mastermind for Rebecca, technically, and just got Michelle as this extra added beautiful bonus. She led her calls every other week, and she was this beautiful super feminine energy that came in. I tend to lean heavily into my masculine energy. And at first, honestly, Michelle's presence made me uncomfortable. I think I shared that with her in the interview and we talk about that, but it was the type of uncomfortable of like, oh, I see a part of myself in you that I wish I could lean into further, that I wish I could expand. So getting to work with Michelle, I mean, just amazing. And so I can't wait to introduce you to her. We talk about all kinds of things from her journey to becoming the coach that she is today, the work that she does with people. And if you're someone who identifies as a people pleaser or maybe a recovering people pleaser, I say that about myself very often, or if you're someone who struggles with feeling or experiencing the more difficult, heavy emotions like grief and sadness and anger and those sorts of things, we talk a lot about why that might be and things to do to move into that, how to heal your people pleaser, how to heal your good girl or good boy vibe if you're like sick of just letting that run your life and how to kind of push through that and, or not push through, but move through that and step into your full power. You're going to love this episode. And then finally, as the title suggests, how do we find and discover and see our struggles in life and then turn them into gifts, like not in a bypassing way, right? There's still benefit in seeing our struggles and having compassion for ourselves when we're going through these things. But then how can we get to the other side and see like, wow, our struggles, my struggles are there for a reason. They don't always have to be there for a reason, but we can find a reason if we want and turn those into gifts. And then also, how do we start experiencing more pleasure in each moment? And what is pleasure? Michelle has a really beautiful definition of that. So stay tuned. And the only other announcement I'd love to share with you is the week that this podcast episode is being released. So it's being released on July 12th. And at this time, my one of my favorite, I'd say top three favorite supplement companies is having their semi-annual summer sale. The products only go on sale twice a year, this time in July. I think it's because the founder, Dr. Cabral, I think his birthday is around this time. Or actually, I don't know. That might not be true. Anyway, point is, this time of year, they go on sale and then again around Black Friday. So I always encourage people who already use the products, it's Equilife, stock up now. This is a great time to stock up. Or if you've been hearing me talk about this stuff and you're like, oh, I kind of want to, like I've been wanting to try that out. This is a great time. And I would recommend trying the daily nutritional support. This is a complete multivitamin, multimineral, has full detox, daily detox support that you need and 15 grams of vegan protein. It's a really gentle product. And if I have clients who are super burnt out, this is a must have. This is part of my replenishment protocol. And also for people who don't normally take supplements and like aren't sure where to start, this is one of my first suggestions because just getting two scoops a day in a shake, in a smoothie, whatever it is, you're getting like the foundational minimum amount of nutrients you need for the day. And that way, you know, everything else is just a bonus. I love using the travel packets when I travel because when they're easy, they're not messy, whatever. And I just bring a shaker bottle with me. And that way, again, I'm about to leave for Boston tomorrow at the time that I'm recording this. And I'm bringing all of my powders because, you know, when I'm on the road and I can't grab something healthy or find the whole foods or whatever, I just have my blender bottle filled up with water and then I can throw those two scoops in. And when I'm traveling, I'll usually do four scoops a day. So that's pretty cool. And the other thing is I'm going to be leading a group detox coming up in in a few weeks. I got the urge to do this the other day and just randomly like 
shared it on Instagram and there have been and asked if anyone is interested and there are some people interested. So I'm not sure when it'll start, but I'm going to encourage everyone to get their detox kit during this sale, obviously, because why not? Because we all like saving money. So I will link to the Equilife website in the show notes. I don't think I can link to the specific products, but go to the website. You can look up protocols. There'll be the detox kit there. I'll be sharing more education around this on my Instagram. This is not like a gimmicky detox, like, oh my God, do this seven day detox and lose seven pounds. No, like you might lose some weight, but if the only reason you're doing it is because you want to lose weight, like I don't encourage you to join the group detox, but I'm going to be sharing all the health benefits of a true functional medicine liver detox, mostly on my Instagram. Send me an email if you're not on Instagram, but you're still you know, curious about it. But this is really about our health. This is about resetting our body. This is about giving our body the nutrients it needs so that it can do what it does best, right? Our body already knows how to detox, but it can get overloaded, stressed. Like the reason I'm about to do one is because I've been fully enjoying my summer. Been drinking a little bit more Okay, a lot more alcohol than I usually do, eating out more than I usually do, having a little more stress on my body just from like being more active, traveling, all these things, having a little more caffeine pre-workout when I'm working out, that sort of thing. So I'm just doing this for a little reset. I can feel my body giving me the the hints that it's like, hey girl, calm down. For me, it's my skin. My skin is always like the first maybe not the first, it's probably the last thing that I see. I'll start getting like a rash or breakouts, whatever. So I'm going to do a detox to go in, clear everything out. If you want to learn more about whether this is right for you, it's definitely not right for everyone. There might be, well, anyway, I won't get into that because this intro is getting long, but just reach out. I love connecting with you all. So send me a DM on Instagram, email me. I'm much faster to respond on DM than I am email. But anyway, with that, I'm so excited to introduce you to Michelle. If you want to connect with her further, the best way to do that would be through Instagram. Her handle is at michelle.edgson. It's also in the show notes, of course. And with that, I can't wait to introduce you to Michelle. So here is our conversation. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining. Well, I was going to say us, but me today. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably say this in the intro, but Lauren had some life stuff come up and we always honor life stuff when it happens. So I get Michelle all to myself today and I'm definitely, Lauren, I know you'll be listening. We'll miss you, but I'm also not upset about getting to just (laughs) have this, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to pick your brain and let you share your magic with our audience. So let's first start off just kind of from the beginning. I mean, I've had the pleasure of working with you as one of my coaches for the last, I guess, six months now. Mm -hmm. And as the time has gone through, I know you've mentioned a lot about like, I resonate so much with your story talking about me. And then as I've seen more and more of your story, like as you shared on social media and just in coaching calls, it, it really does feel very like soul aligned that we were just brought into each other's orbit. So mm-hmm. I would love for you to share whatever feels like, however, whichever order you want to share it in, your story and kind of what kind of magic you share with the world, how you work with people, but how you got there, like the evolution of your journey. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> I'm smiling so big on the other side of the screen. But <laughs> thank you, first of all, so much for having me, Erica. And also, yes, we'll miss Lauren, but we'll have a nice... <laughs> fun time together here. But ah, thank you for that invitation. So my magic, my work in the world. So I'm a business coach and a self-expression coach. And I really help female entrepreneurs step into their fullest expression, shed that good girl conditioning and really allow themselves to be all of themselves on social media. And my evolution to get to this point, even looking back at my own journey, I'm like, damn, it was quite an evolution to arrive here. But I actually started my business back in, it was 2018, towards the end of the year. And believe it or not, I used to be a nutritionist. That's how I started my entire business. And like you said, Erica, I, I feel such a soul resonance with you because the beginning of my story into becoming a nutritionist was actually my journey with autoimmune disease. And It was back when I was 24, I got really sick with, eventually I found out it was Hashimoto's and celiac disease. And 
I had actually just moved to Michigan with my partner and I just immediately pretty much got sick and it just felt like my entire life was ripped out from under me. And it was, to be honest, really, really terrifying. But through the healing process of getting my life back, through the healing process of putting autoimmune disease into remission, I felt this really, really strong pull to help people to start a business. And it was definitely a rocky road at the start. And it was many evolutions to get to the place where I am now. But I started out as a nutritionist. And to be honest, maybe even halfway through my nutrition certification, I realized I fucking hated it. I really yes, actually. <laughs> yeah. I really did. Was it something like how how did you come to choose that as the certification you started with? Was it something like, oh, this makes sense? Or yeah. what was the story behind exactly, that? Exactly, exactly that. Exactly that. It was, oh, I've just been through my own healing journey with autoimmune disease. And, you know, one of the components of healing was food and diet and supplements and all these pieces, which I know that you work so beautifully with your clients on some of those pieces, Erica, but mm-hmm. I got to this place in my own healing journey where I felt better. I felt okay, but I was like, this just feels like I'm living some sort of like lukewarm life where I'm just operating mm-hmm. at 50%. And part of me was just like, is, is this just, this is just me now. I'm operating at 50% forever. I'm just the shell of this person that I once was. But just like you said, as I started to heal, I was like, well, the natural next step would be for me to be a nutritionist because that was such a big part of my journey. But that first evolution of my business, I consider it to be, I don't want to say this, like my my good girl zone of <laughs> zone of my business, right? Where it was my inner good girl was like, nutritionist seems like a normal enough career where you know you someone asks you what you do and you're like, I'm a nutritionist. And they're like, oh, I know what that is. Versus even back at that time, I had a sense that I was like, maybe I want to be like a life coach or something like that. But I remember even I would say it like that, like a life coach, like it was embarrassing or something like that to one mm-hmm. coach on the internet. And so I allowed that good girl conditioning to guide me towards the nutritionist path. And while, I mean, I deeply, deeply celebrate that journey and everything I learned and all the people that I met through that entire evolution of my business and certification, I realized at some point I was like, this is not lighting up my soul. This is not <sighs> giving me life in a way mm-hmm. that the work that I do now like genuinely gives me life and energy and <laughs> excitement and turn on every single day. So that was the first evolution of my story. And from there, go ahead. Well, I was going to say something like I resonate so much with that part of your story. Like I feel like my business so far has been guided by my good girl, people pleasing conditioning. And I'm in, I think I'm in the place of like recognizing that and be like, okay, I think there's some like, I mean, I think when I started the mastermind in January, the word I used was like, I'm ready to blow shit up and like (laughs) get to the next level of expansion. It hasn't quite happened yet. You know, I'm still just being gentle and getting to know and honoring my good girl and my people pleaser. Cause obviously she's a big part of how I got to where I am, Mm -hmm. but I'm, curious about your take because for the listeners, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, whether you have a business or ever even think about having one, like that doesn't really matter because this can permeate into all sorts of areas of your life. So it's super, super resonant. I think for anyone who just resonates with that, like, oh yeah, I tend to have like people pleasing or like good girl tendencies. I'm just curious if you could like share your thoughts around, maybe from your own experience, like where that where that conditioning came from for you, or maybe where you see that showing up for your clients? Like, where does this good girl, people pleasing Mm. persona kind of like come up? (laughs) I'm so delighted that you asked that question because I feel like even, you know, thinking of all of my different clients, all of the many, many women I've worked with over the years, so many of them have had the experience of I'm currently existing in the world as this good girl. I'm putting on this kind of persona or facade of I play by the rules. And when I say facade, to be honest, it's more of a protective mechanism, right? It's Mm -hmm. not like we're putting on a show of I'm a good girl. It's like you said, like the root of the good girl conditioning, that persona often comes from childhood. And to speak to my experience and my story with that, I 
I used to really identify as a shy girl, as a quiet girl. But to be honest, looking back, I can recognize I took on a shy girl persona, right? The girl that was too afraid to raise her hand in class, even when I knew the answer, the girl who was too afraid to stand up for herself or to stand up for her friends or, you know, any of these pieces. But it was because I deeply, deeply learned that when you open your mouth, when you speak your truth, when you put yourself out there, bad things will happen. You're going to get hurt or someone you love is going to get hurt. And so I love the way that you put it, Erica, of spending time actually with your inner good girl. For anyone that's listening that resonates with that archetype, it's it's not about shoving her to the side or saying like, you know, bitch, like you need to die. It's actually, <laughs> can we hold her? Can we be with her? Can we love her? Can we deeply honor and celebrate the part of us that took on this persona to literally keep us safe. But then the thing is that as we go into adulthood, it's for me, I was still identifying as I'm, I'm this scared, helpless little girl. And that's how I was operating in the world. That's how I was running my business was I'm a scared little girl and I don't belong here. I don't have a place here. Mm. Versus when I started to embrace that part of myself, when I started to love her and, and praise her and say, look, Thank you for all the years you have served us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm the wise woman in the room now. And I don't need you to be at the forefront. You can go wrap yourself up in a silk blanket and go take a nap, <laughs> like go play on the playground. Go to your <laughs> and for me, that was kind of the, the root of the inner people pleaser, the inner good girl. And I, I find the same thing with so many of my clients, the pattern of, this is something they learned from such a young age, whether that was through their family dynamic or also society at large and the conditioning that is placed upon women from a very young age, right? Be powerful, mm-hmm. be be a lady, you know, be be a good girl is even, you know, a phrase that we hear. And it's just we take that on of to be seen in this world, I need to be good. I need to put everyone else first in order to be valued versus when you can step outside of that, a whole new world (laughs) opens up. Yeah. Yeah. And even I, like I said, I'm kind of in the phase where I'm more just noticing and not really sure. Like, like you said, I'm not like trying to kill the good girl yet or at all, or the people pleaser. I'm very much learning to coexist with them and have that dynamic be when I notice my people pleasing is a little activated. It's just like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I'm feeling that, that kind of energy and just noticing and then seeing if I can like talk to that part of me and be like, Hey, like, and I love what you just said about leaning into your wise woman. I don't know what that language just really, like, it just feels really empowering. Mm -hmm. So it is this sense of like, okay, like I've got this again, thank you for keeping me safe. And now we're going to, we're going to try out some different things. And if that feels scary to you, like you don't have to come. (laughs) (laughs) You can stay home. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So, yeah, because I think in a lot of areas of my life right now, if I really sit down like anywhere that I feel blocked, usually I can notice where my good girl or my people pleaser is kind of like, it's she's not she's not an anchor like holding me back but it's like she's like gripping on to familiarity and I'm like no I want to go explore this like fun new world over here and I can kind of explore that more like wise woman kind of wild woman energy for like little bits at a time so I think it's important to it's like baby steps like you don't necessarily have to like blow everything up and just all of a sudden be like okay now I'm just going to be different that there's going to be different like did you notice that in your journey where it's like some days it felt much easier to be in your like higher self goddess wise woman energy and sometimes you fall into these like quote unquote older patterns or patterns that you you know maybe thought were gone yes (laughs) every day (laughs) let's be real every day it happens right where the way that the way that I feel it the way that I experience sometimes that kind of pattern of like back and forth, back and forth. Here I am. No, yeah. I'm back is I almost see it when I close my eyes. I see it like oftentimes my soul and my spirit are just like way over there. They're just like eons ahead. They're just like, mm-hmm. hey, like we're so free. We're wild. We're liberated. And it's oftentimes it feels like it's like my physical vessel. It's like my body itself is still clinging on to the comfort of the past. Right. And it's like, it, it, to me, it feels like whenever I feel that disconnect of 
I've stepped into this embodiment. I've stepped into this new identity. And yet here I am perpetuating this old pattern. I'm just like, oh, it's not a problem. There's not a problem here. It's simply, ah, let me let my physical vessel, let me, let me let my human catch up to where my soul and my spirit are, you know, light years away. It's just kind of bringing them back together back in union and for me that always that visual always helps me of all of me is really on board it's just these beautiful few little last pieces that not even need to catch up but that just get to get like scooped up with love and brought along with, with the higher <laughs> self yeah it's like let's go <laughs> yeah I love that language so much just like honoring your human. It's like, oh, my human's just, you know, playing down in this other little plane. And it's like, come on, let's go this way. Safe. You'll survive. Oh, I love that so much. So, okay. Slight detour there, just talking about your your good girl journey. And then yeah. I forget where we left off with the story of your yeah, business, no, but anything I'm, else you want to share there? Moving yeah. it, but I'm really glad that you took that tangent because I think it's really important. This integration of self, this integration mm. of parts, which to me, is, that, that is exactly the journey of reconciling with your inner people pleaser or good girl. It is a reconciliation. It is this reintegration of parts of you that got lost along the way, which I feel like actually is like a good like back into where I left off of my story. Because honestly, I, I don't even remember now either. <laughs> so many good conversations and tangents. But I believe I left off somewhere around my nutrition journey and deciding ultimately, I think it was after what, maybe a year and a half, two years, ultimately deciding I can no longer wear this good girl mask and continue to write this content about sickness and illness. And to be honest, one one important piece of my journey also to drop in is I feel like, not even I feel like I know that the same part of me that was clinging onto my nutrition business, my autoimmune business, because after I decided nutrition wasn't my thing, I, I kind of stepped into, I'll do autoimmune coaching and I'll coach women on the emotional roots of illness and, and mindfulness and all these different pieces, which was maybe a year in my business as well. So it started nutritionist, autoimmune coach. But again, it felt like this is safe. This is like the natural next step. But eventually I... I recognize that the part of me that was clinging on to my autoimmune and or nutrition business, it was the same part of me that was clinging on to identifying as a sick girl. And I got mm-hmm. to this place in my healing journey where I was like, I'm healed, I'm doing well, but I just, there's something missing here. I don't feel fully alive yet. I don't feel fully healed yet. Even though my labs came back perfect, right? I was no longer an autoimmune patient on paper anymore. And I was like, so why is my experience in my life not matching my lab work that says I'm perfectly healthy? And I recognized, ah, ah, clinging to the comfort zone, clinging to the identity of being sick because for years, that's how I viewed myself for years. That's the content that I wrote on Instagram every single day was my story of healing, my story mm. of immune, my story of being sick. But I recognize that, you know what, like talking about illness every single day, working with women who talk about their illness every single day, while it was beautiful and so expansive and such a gift to be able to serve them at that time, I recognize that if I continue this business and I don't allow myself to shift, I'm abandoning myself. And for the longest time, I was really afraid of, I can't leave my community behind. I've built this community. People like depend on me. People like read my posts every single day for inspiration as they're healing. How could I leave them behind? How could I abandon them? But I really had to sit with that truth of if I'm choosing my online community over myself, what what does that mean, right? I, like, I can't live my life that way. And that's when I definitely, you know, hired some different mentorship and different coaches to really support me in finding safety within myself to let go and to let that part of me dissolve. And it's so funny, like thinking back on that time, as I let that business die, as I started to step into business coaching and, and I got it, you know, I did a different coaching certification training, which was amazing and so beautiful. It was so incredible to witness the ways in which my health improved. Because even mm. though I was, you know, like symptom free and feeling good, when I started to 
kind of put that little good girl to rest when I started to step into my coaching business, when I started to be more self-expressed, not just online, but in my real actual life person, the difference in everything about me, to be honest. And I, I remember recently I was going through all my story archives, like just collecting different stories for a course that I'm making, but it was so funny going back and, and listening to my own voice back from 2018, 2017. I was like, who the fuck yeah. is that? That's not I, me. <laughs> I remember when you shared that, I don't know, a few weeks ago or whatever, and you were just talking about, it's like, okay, that was a version of you. And then when you stepped into this different evolution, this different, I mean, yeah, different version of you. And I've only known you in this version, but just seeing those stories, it was like your voice was higher and it was you like the one thing I think about when I think of you, I remember the first time I saw, I started following Rebecca and then she shared one of your stories. And I remember just watching you and be like, is she real? Like, how does she just talk like that? Like you, everything about the way that you share, like you are channeling. I feel like anytime you're talking, you're just like channeling from source, from something else, like Anyway, and then seeing those older videos that you shared, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, the biggest part is like, it's such an inspiration because I do feel like, I mean, the more and more I learn about you, I'm like, I feel like I'm following, like, I'm following your path, right? Like, you laid this path of inspiration. I'm like, hey, this is possible. But it is, that was really, I mean, talk about evolution and change. You were, I would be like, no, that's not the same person. Oh, thank you for those reflections, Erica. That means the world. And I love that. I love that. And and I feel like it's a beautiful reminder as well for as we walk along our own paths in those moments when we were frustrated and we're just like, well, we could just burn all the to the ground and give up. It's that sacred reminder, which by the way, for everyone listening, we all have those moments. We've all had those moments in our lives. If you're an entrepreneur, we've had those moments in our businesses. Uh-huh. But it's that sacred recognition that when we do this healing work, when we're willing to lead ourselves with grace, with tender grace and just love, we're not only doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for our community. We're doing it for our lineage. We're doing it for, you know, not even just future lineage, but the people that came before us. And I feel like for mm-hmm. me, when I started to to recognize that, I was like, there's no turning back. And <laughs> I feel like at some point when you enter the the cycle of death and rebirth, when you enter these vortexes of personal expansion and development, it's once you start, it's just this beautiful, never ending journey where we just get to keep going, keep going Mm. and and pause and stop when we need a good cry and pause and stop when we throw our beautiful temper tantrum and (laughs) have our sacred rage party. But it's like, And then as we're ready, coming back to what does it look like to live in integrity with my vision? What does it look like to live in integrity with where I say I want to go? And I feel like that was a question that I used to really guide myself a lot in those earlier days Mm -hmm. of of my evolution where I was kind of getting used to like, ooh, who the hell am I? I don't even know. (laughs) What's happening here? This is, I like it. I don't know what's happening, but I like it. Yeah. And then also not rushing that. I think as you know, people who listen to this podcast are very interested in personal growth and development. And like you said, it's like when you start, it kind of just takes on a life of its own and you can't really control how fast or which, which way you go. And it's important. Like right now for me, I know what's possible. It's like, I know there's more evolution. I know I'm just, you know, getting started in a sense. And part of me is like, okay, let's like hurry this up. And I want to get to wherever I'm supposed to go. But everything in my life right now is just calling me to be like, slow down, enjoy. Like I said, like very much like awareness and just noticing. And as frustrating as as that feels as someone who just wants to like jump on the, you know, read more books and hire more coaches Mm -hmm. and do do more. It's like, no, just be and enjoy and slow down. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest message that has come up for me. It's like, you can't rush this. Like it'll happen. You can't really, like you said, once you're started, you're on the path, but also the pace is going to be very much like up and down and all around. Yeah. Yeah. It's that self-trust piece of trusting your own evolution. And, Mm. and it's almost the way that I see it is I'm not in any rush to get to a certain place, right? As an entrepreneur, I'm not in any rush to hit a certain milestone in my business or as a human being, I'm not in any rush to 
check off certain accomplishments or, or all these different pieces because when I look back at every single evolution of me, every version of me, the two-year-old version of me, the five-year-old mm-hmm. version of me, the teenage version of me, the 20-something-year-old version of me, it's being able to look back on your life and look back on these different evolutions of yourself and and see them with just deep reverence and deep honoring of, wow, that was my path. That was my journey. How epic, how beautiful, how amazing. It's when we can reframe it like that, it's, there is no rush because you get every version of you is worthy of being savored mm-hmm. and celebrated. Mm-hmm. It's just, ah, it's like, ah, yeah. by relief, there is no rush. No rush. Just stay curious what's happening right now. It's all beautiful. Uh, well, that was all perfect and wonderful. And now I want to get into some just I put together some questions that I think just came to mind. Like when I think about you and what really inspires me about like the content you share and what you talk about, but we'll kind of just see where the conversation goes. But the first thing I'd love for you to talk about is this idea of holding pleasure and joy and happiness and all these like quote unquote high vibe feelings and emotions and energies, like being able to hold those alongside grief or anger or despair because that's something you know that I'm still learning and getting comfortable with but it's also something that I've really experienced like I've I've experienced feeling like rageful lots of grief but also in the same time just being like this is so epic and amazing and like so it's that pleasure and grief this interesting dynamic how do you talk about these things and then also I'd be curious to know your philosophy is like why is this kind of a concept that isn't necessarily talked about a lot or might be kind of different, difficult for people to comprehend of like, what do you mean? How could I be happy and sad at the same time? So just love to hear your take on all that. (laughs) I love it. My projector self was like, yes, ask me the question. (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) Like I feel like it's like, I could feel my soul expanding like, I invite you to talk about this. Yes. (laughs) But I love this question because even like for a moment, jumping back to my story, I feel like finding pleasure and I'll replace actually the word finding with remembering pleasure, Mm -hmm. remembering that pleasure is my birthright was such a big aspect of what allowed me to heal, what allowed me to allow my business to take off and, and blow up and soar. And it was just this, you know, of course, this duality of We can be in pleasure. We can be holding these beautiful, amazing emotions at the same time as as holding grief or holding sadness. And one thing I'll say first is that I know for many people, even the concept of pleasure, when you ask them like, what pleasurable thing did you do today? A lot of people will look at you like, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) They'd be like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Did I just do something for my pleasure today? No, I I did have to get shit done. And and I know even even for me in the experience of having autoimmune disease and, and even just also growing up as a as an Asian kid where it was just like, go, 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 (laughs) like excel, be all that you can be. It was just like, there was no space for pleasure. Like Mm -hmm. pleasure was not modeled to me as a child growing up and, you know, God bless my parents. They're so amazing, but I don't think that they were really able to access their own pleasure as well. And so I think that even before we talk about like, ah, the holding pleasure and holding grief, it's a conversation of how do us humans, how do we relearn to be in relationship with our pleasure, whatever that might look like, right? Like pleasure could be pleasure in the bedroom, which I think is oftentimes where people's minds go. Pleasure right. could be you just luxuriating in your own body and going for a walk. Pleasure could be ah, just like licking your lips and noticing the soft edges of your physical body and just like tapping into all of your senses and For many people, that is a foreign concept, very, very foreign. And it was for me too. But again, that's my little little tangent over there. But to me, what it means to hold space for for grief and or sadness or some of these denser emotions, right? That I think sometimes in in spiritual communities, there can be that kind of bypass of these lower denser emotions Mm -hmm. that are seen as like get get over them as quickly as possible to get back to your high vibe state. But to me, like I have such a reverence for my sadness and such a an honoring for my grief. Like it might sound weird, but to me, it's there are pockets of pleasure in grief. 
for me. There mm-hmm. are pockets of pleasure in experiencing the depth of the very real depth of my human sadness, yeah. even though in the moment of, for example, like crying your eyes out around something that has made you feel very sad in the moment, the first word that comes to mind may not be huh, pleasure. I am feeling pleasure <laughs> right now, but, but when you are able to meet yourself at a deeper level, when you're able to hold space, not just for the parts of you that society would deem acceptable to show, right? Show your happy self, show your good side, show the highlight reel. But for the love of God, don't show a video of you crying. For the love of God, don't tell me about your difficult day or your difficult thing. Keep that to yourself behind closed doors. We don't want to hear about that. And I feel like as a society, we're so conditioned to only showcase the, the beautiful aspects of ourselves, right? In our terms of our emotions, but also even in terms of our physical appearance versus mm-hmm. when you can start to let go of that and start to create space for all of you to come online. It's, it just feels like the world goes from, you just go from seeing the world in black and white to seeing the world in like the most vivid color because our grief, our sadness, our anger, you know, whatever, denser, heavier emotions that you may be holding or experiencing, when you let yourself go to those depths, it's kind of the same way, right? What does this say? I'm fun fact about me, I'm like literally the worst at sayings. Like like any sort of thing. Like the other day I was talking to my husband and he was like talking to me and I was like, you're a gem in the rumble. And he was like, honey, you mean a diamond in the rough? And I was like, God damn it. I'm trying to think of he knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> where people are like, oh, what is it? The saying where it's like the depth of grief you experience, for example, if you lose someone showcases and, and mirrors the depth of love that you had for that person or for whatever it was. Yeah. I feel like it's a similar thread to, and I feel like I got that saying almost right. <laughs> it feels like right. it feels like the same thing, right? When we can hold space for the depths of our sadness then the highs of our happiness and our joy become so much more expansive. Mm -hmm. And I'm remembering even your original question, because again, I feel like I was just like mind open channel the words, but does that start to answer your original question? Yeah, 100%. And, and even to connect it to what we were talking about earlier with like our good girl and our people pleaser, like some of this for me, I know in my people pleasing, it's like, I'm abandoning myself because I don't want to make other people uncomfortable with my emotions. So I, that was part of how I learned to suppress sadness and anger and grief and all these things. Cause it's like, I don't want to make anyone else uncomfortable because that's another thing. Like a lot of times we don't know what to do with emotions unless we consciously decide to go in. And you know, now if like, I remember I was on a plane a few months ago and the woman beside me started crying and I was like, Oh, well, it's like, you know, I just put my hand on her shoulders. Like I'm here. Like, it's okay. She's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what? I was like, please don't apologize. Like, you know, but it's just, that's our first thing. It's like, oh, we have to hide this. This isn't oh, safe. Take up space. <laughs> so yeah. So that's one thing for me, I think where I, I, part of where I learned to suppress these emotions. And then also to, and then to tie it back into health, it's like, it takes so much energy to suppress mm-hmm. those emotions. And I know you mentioned like when you were an autoimmune coach, like you tied into like the yeah. emotional connection to illness. <laughs> and to this day, if I have or like feel a flare up coming up for myself, I usually immediately stop. I'm like, what am I suppressing right now? It's mm. it's usually stress and it's usually emotional suppression, especially because my human design, my my emotional solar plexus is connected to my throat. So it's like if I'm not talking about my feelings, it's all getting stuck. And you know, <laughs> anyway, so it's this idea of not only can you feel that duality of like. I'm I'm literally sitting in a pool of my own tears and I've had that experience too where like I'll just be like ugly crying and then I just also have a big smile on my face because it's like one I know I'm going to get through it like I know that I'll heal I know that it's okay and like it it is pleasurable to feel your feelings when you allow them to just be felt right mm-hmm. it's when you like resist them and deny them then it's like this is painful this yeah. doesn't feel good but when you fully just like okay like let it all out. Like to me, that is pleasurable in like the sense of just like in my body, it's just like the release. And then I don't know. So that's, so to answer your question, yes, you answered my question, (laughs) but that's kind of what came up for me. And I, I love your description of how society kind of like the conditioning just brings in this, like, Oh, 
like this bypassing of these lower vibe feelings. But when we allow just everything to integrate and exist all at once, it's like freedom and expansion and I don't know, all kinds of things. Yeah. And one other thing that dropped into my mind, Erica, was, you know, even, you know, for those of us that have online platforms or are sharing more of our life or more behind the scenes, of course, to say honoring the sacredness of our emotional processing and sharing from a place where we feel empowered to share. But to be honest, my favorite people that I follow online, my favorite people that I feel deeply inspired by are the ones that name when they're feeling sad Mm. or even if they're not naming again, like honoring the sacredness of their experience, but the people who actually share the highs along with the lows to me, it's just that human connection and that human element Mm -hmm. I feel was having that model to me helped me learn. Okay. Wow. People aren't going to run away. If I say that I was angry yesterday, (sighs) it just felt like this, just like, collapse in the most beautiful way, like a collapse of the heart space of just like, ha, huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. the day goes down for it. Emotions. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And, and when I see other people doing that as well, it reminds me like, it's just this, not that you need permission to do this, but it is the reminder of like, oh yeah, I'm human too. And like, it's okay that I'm feeling this way. And yeah. you know, whether you're a business owner or a parent, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to have like little ones and trying to like I know I have one of my friends, Casey, she listens to the podcast, but she's always telling me about how she's like teaching her little ones to like feel their feelings. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool that, you know, they get to have this experience and like she teaches them how to like punch pillows and stuff when they're instead oh, of their sim- siblings. But it's just, you know, so I think there's a paradigm shift and, you know, generally, generationally things, you know, might be changing, but it just, when you're doing the healing work, when you didn't have that experience, it's just like, just keep going because the other side is beautiful. Yeah. Getting getting to experience sitting in your own ugly tears. Maybe it's not fair to call them ugly tears because they're not <laughs> ugly. But And then also being like, like having a smile on your face. It's, I don't know. To me, it was the, like a weird feeling the first time it happened. I was like, oh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's foreign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it becomes more comfortable. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit. Because another piece of your story that you talk about so beautifully, I mean, you talk about everything so beautifully, but growing up as a biracial kid, like you kind of mentioned, like even just having some of that like Asian, I mean, conditioning, I guess we can call it, because there is a lot that comes with that. So tell us a little bit about that experience. What sort of gifts and struggles were in that and how has it kind of contributed to who you are today? Mm, Again, I feel like my projector lit up. This is like my favorite question ever because (laughs) I've actually really been inviting myself to speak more to this experience, you know, for myself, because it is a really important part of my story that even recognizing my own conditioning, I shied away from telling because, and again, (laughs) going all the way back, I feel like as a kid, you know, to give some background, my, my dad is Caucasian, beautiful mix of European, but my mom is Korean and she was an immigrant. She came here when she was a little kid with her parents. And I remember as a kid growing up, a part of me eventually started to recognize, I think it's safer to favor like the white half of me. And so I just kind of stepped into that identity and and forgot a lot about my Korean heritage. But for me growing up as a biracial kid, again, like you said, there were many gifts, but there were also many challenges and struggles. But what's dropping through right now is actually, I can feel like the sadness arriving in my heart spaces, Mm. remembering, I think it was when I was what, like, five and seven was when my Korean grandparents passed away. And I remember, you know, growing up in in their household, right? Like going over to their house all the time. I was so connected to the Korean culture and Korean heritage. I I loved when my homani would speak. I loved listening to her voice. I loved listening to Korean. And even though I didn't fully understand everything and I was not fluent, it still just felt like every time I went to their house, it was like this magical, magical place. And I remember when they passed away, when they died, it felt like I just felt like a whole part of my world collapsed in a way or or almost like the portal to this magical place. It was like the door got slammed shut and, mm. you know, bless my mom. I think as she navigated her own grief, her way of doing so was really closing up and, and not talking about them and even shutting out her Korean parts of herself. And so for me, it was, I had this very early upbringing of, of feeling like I was 
very blended in both worlds, right? Like with my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family, but it was just kind of this, like, it felt like this really just hard stop of, okay, Korean heritage doesn't exist anymore. Just forget about it and move on. And, and I feel like as a protective mechanism, I did. I did. And it was interesting growing up as a biracial kid because in my area, I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland. Mm. Annapolis is not. <laughs> I think I was one of like two Asian kids <laughs> in my entire school growing up. And I think one of the one of the difficult aspects of being biracial was one, of course, just kind of straddling this weird dynamic of being in two worlds of never quite feeling like you belonged anywhere. And that's really how I felt like in elementary school. And it's funny, I feel like as I grew up and and became an adult, I feel like I started to look less and less Korean. And part of me is like, was that like on purpose? Did I like start dressing in a day? You know, but yeah. but I feel like as a kid, I I looked a lot more Korean, and I always get questions from kids at school. Like my <laughs> one of my least favorite questions in the world: Where are you from? Mm. Like I can't even tell you how many times I've received that question. And and as a child, not really knowing how to answer it, it's like I'm from here, just like you. I'm, I'm from Annapolis, right. Maryland, and like that's where I'm from. And kids are like, no, but like, where are you from? And it's, it's having that pointed out to you, like, like you're different or like, there's something weird or off about you. And I remember just thinking like, I don't know, like my mom's from Korea. Like yeah. that's where I'm from. I don't know. And, and feeling this, this deep confusion within myself of, I don't even know where I'm from. I don't really know where I belong, but mm, even just tuning in, I feel like one of the gifts of that though, to like flip the coin for a moment was because I had this almost instability of feeling like I belonged, it really invited me at a young age to take my power back and decide, you know what? Like, fuck these kids. <laughs> Obviously, that's not what I was thinking at that time. <laughs> Looking back, I'm just like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, if I don't feel like I belong here or, you know, whatever it might be, or if children are bullying me for the way that I look, like, I'm going to take ownership and decide I belong to myself. Mm. I don't need your validation. I don't need you to tell me that I have a seat at the table. I'm going to create my own goddamn table and I'll be over here. And I feel like it was this funny dynamic of I was this like very shy, quiet, like easily embarrassed girl. But at the same time, like it was like this like deep power within me was like, I'm a bad bitch and I know who I am. And I feel like, you know, of course, as I grew up, that dynamic like really came forward and came out. But One other piece that's dropping in, you know, that was one of the gifts, but one of the other difficult aspects of being a biracial kid was also just witnessing my parents experience racism. And Mm -hmm. as a kid, again, it was, I had that kind of gift of being able to blend wherever I wanted. It's like, if you sat me next to my mom, oh, I'm Korean. I look Korean. If you sit me next to my dad, or if I'm not next to my mom, oh, she's white. And I had this Again, it's kind of like the gift and the curse of being able to deny my Korean side, forget about that side, favor this white girl identity because it felt safer because that was the version of me that didn't get made fun of. That was the version of me who who fit in more at school. And, you know, witnessing my parents experience racism as a biracial couple was confusing as a kid because I just couldn't understand like why why aren't we allowed to be served in this restaurant? Like, why are we being turned away? It doesn't make sense. And I think for me, it was, it was hard. And I think my parents did a good job of trying to, to shield us from their pain of that experience and and wanting us to feel like we were normal and that we belonged. But I do remember just, you know, witnessing my parents navigate that was, was definitely difficult and confusing as a child. And it definitely, Again, kind of like flipping the coin for a second, though, I think one of the gifts of that, one of the gifts of experiencing and witnessing racism at such a young age was it made it it molded and shaped me into a deeply compassionate and empathetic person. Mm. And I think it really at a young age, like I think my dad is like also he's such an empath. And I feel like at a young age, witnessing my parents navigate that and and like feeling the threads of their pain I feel like it allowed me to start to see humans as they are, right? Of we're all just humans. We're all working with our own conditioning. We're all working with our own wounding. And how can all of us as individuals step into the world with an open heart and an open mind and 
and be more loving. I mean, even like you said, Erica, when you were on the plane and you saw a woman crying, it's not like, oh, what an inconvenience that woman is crying next to me. Right. It's so loud. It's like that compassionate heart comes forward to say like, oh, like, it's okay. I'm here. I'm like, I've cried on so many planes, girl. I get it. Get it out. (laughs) Exactly. No problems here. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And one thing that came up for me while you were talking, you know, having like the kind of core wound of I don't belong here or "Where where do I belong? I don't have quite that same one. But for me, it's like the wound of being misunderstood or feeling like people don't understand me. And I love what you said about you kind of reframing that eventually and being like, I belong to myself. I don't need to belong anywhere. And then that kind of just brought up for me about being understood. Cause that's something I've tried to implement is like, it does, it's not other people's job to understand me. Like I understand myself and my power and like move forward in that. So, and then also thank you for just sharing like all the different sides of each of those. It's like the struggle can be seen as a gift. And I think there's so many ways in life that we can, do that, not in a way that's like, oh, if you have a struggle, you have to see it as a gift. Like there doesn't have to be a lesson in everything, mm-hmm. but just everything you said, it's like, okay, here were the things that you had to go through and turned and turned you into the you know beautiful soul that you are today. So thank you oh, for wow. sharing all that. <laughs> thank you so much, Erica. Yes. So we have time for one more question. So let's kind of wrap things up and give the audience a few, like give them some tips and strategies. I mean, the the podcast is called There's a Hack for That After All. And you talked a little bit earlier about pleasure. And like, I love what you said about people just being like, like if you were to go up and ask, you know, someone in your Mm -hmm. life, like, hey, did you do something for pleasure today? Like, what did you do that was just for you and pleasure? And most of us are like deer in the headlights. Like, why would I do something that was pleasurable today? I had to work or whatever. So I'd love to hear anything else you want to say just about pleasure. Like maybe if you have a Wait, like a definition for it. And then just what advice, tips, philosophies around stepping into our own version of our own like pleasure queen or king, right? How can we just start to experience more pleasure? And I know you have, t- I mean, you already shared some of them, but just talking about like, how do we ease into this or maybe dive in head first? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, even to me, when I think of the word pleasure, like the first thing that comes to mind is to me, pleasure is receiving the gift of yourself in the present moment. Like to me, mm. that is what pleasure is. It's how can you create space in your life? How can you create space in your body to receive the gift of yourself in the present moment? Whatever that looks like in, in terms of, okay, that's beautiful, Michelle, but what does that actually what does that actually tangibly look like? Again, it's when even just starting to reflect on, you know, that's my definition of pleasure in this current moment for anyone that's listening, ask yourself, what is your definition of pleasure? And if your mind again goes kind of blank and you're like, I'm a deer in headlights, I don't know. <laughs> Invitation to play with what that looks like, to play with each individual's definition of pleasure might be different. But at the end of the day, it is this, to me, it's just like this, for example, taking a breath and noticing your breath arrive for you again and again. Or like I said, it's, you can experience pleasure so simply by even just like rubbing your fingertips together and just noticing like, ah, this is my vessel. This is my home. This is where I live. Or ah, like even just like running your hands over your skin. It's just this, it's this reminder that, ah, this is my point of contact with the world. Like I'm seated on this chair. I'm, I exist in this body. <laughs> this is the voice that's channeling through my vocal codes and, and having that just sacred experience. And I think there are plenty of things we can do for pleasure or that maybe the first things that come to people's minds are, oh, pleasurable would be like taking a goddess bath with rose petals and like, hell yes. Like I do that all the time. Like, yes, that is pleasurable, but also like bringing pleasure into the small moments in your day. One example that's dropping through was when I was in my whole autoimmune healing phase and food was a a difficult thing. Like the kitchen felt like the most stressful room of the household. I was like, how can I be less stressed? <laughs> was honestly the question I asked myself, which led me towards finding the pleasure of, of dancing and turning on music while I cooked. But it's in the small moments that as you move about your day, what would it look like to make one of them sacred and, and just 
playing and allow yourself to explore. And I love the invitation from you, Erica, of for some people that might look like kind of like titrating your threshold for pleasure of like maybe diving headfirst. You're just like, oh dear, I would just run the other direction. And so maybe for you, the answer is, huh, like titrate pleasure, like increase the pleasurable moments that you experience throughout your day. And eventually those small moments made sacred amount to something so big amounts to you living. I feel like the way that I live my life and I have my little Isis goddess altar statue and I'm thinking of something related to Isis is like, I live my life by worshiping at the altar of my pleasure. I lead myself Mm. from a place of pleasure. And from that space, it's just everything can coexist. Everything has a place. Every part of me has a seat at the table. And again, kind of coming back to that idea that life becomes so much more colorful when we can act from that kind of slowed down, like savor your existence kind of place. Yeah. And that's, as I was thinking about like, what is my definition of pleasure? But hearing you talk, I think for me, it is just slowing down. Honestly, it's like, I don't have to do anything different, but if I just go a little slower and enjoy the moment and like one of my favorite ways to feel pleasure is just to kind of stop and like look around. Like sometimes, you know, like even just looking at the texture on the wall or if I'm on a walk, like it's like almost like I'm on shrooms and I'm just like looking at nature. And it's <laughs> like just touch, like- Touch the trees. As you absolutely. Walk. Like I've been accused of being on shrooms like out and I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm just, can you look at this flower and these trees? Like I, you know, so- pleasure can be so simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen you share that too and I'm like that's so it's so brilliant. It's just this for me it's the slowing down and noticing and being present so that at the end of the day it's not this feeling of like what did I like what even happened? So you're going so fast, you're doing so much, but at the end of the day being like, "Oh, like that was a pleasurable experience. I enjoyed even <laughs> if I was working or doing things that maybe, you know, I wish I wasn't doing or whatever, but it's like just being more present to me, mm-hmm. fills me with so much, so much pleasure. Mm-hmm. Michelle, thank you so much for this today. I know it was extremely <laughs> nourishing for me and I'm sure everyone who listens will get their own version of medicine from it. So thank you for sharing your magic. And one last question we ask all of our guests is what is your current favorite life hack? Oh, my current favorite life hack. <laughs> this, okay, this is the first thing that comes into my mind that came into my mind. So I'm going to trust it. My current favorite life hack, and perhaps this is only applicable to those who have pets, but this might kind of also be on the pleasure wavelength. But my current life hack is that every single day for a small amount of time, even if it's for like five minutes in the morning, I like sit with my cat, but I try to see the world from his perspective. He's like, he, he is the pleasure king. He's like, I take naps whenever the hell I want. I will eat whenever I want. I will meow whenever I want. I will sit in your lap whenever I want. I will boop you on the nose at 5 a.m. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so like my current hack to invite myself into deeper presence and just a deeper mm-hmm. experience of my own life is I'll literally like if he's on the floor, like looking out the window, I'll like I'll like get down at his level and I'll just kind of I'll just sit there in silence and just like watch what he's watching. I'm like, oh, he's watching the bird. Oh, he's I watching like the so the much. dog walker. And it's again, it's like, trusting the random thought that occurred to me, but it's <laughs> perfect. It it opens my perspective and allows me again to just receive the gift of of the moments and 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 live my life like I think Lunapi is one of my greatest teachers that's my cat's name in this life is just living so embodied in your in your grace and your power and like having those small sacred moments of can I just see the world through my cat's perspective right now mm-hmm. um, really it's it's like one of my favorite like soft sacred moments of my day is like my my Lunapi perspective time <laughs> I love that so much. I I don't know if I've had the language for it, but I I think I do that with Gizmo as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, actually just earlier, I was just like watching her and you know, I'm looking at her and she's watching like my feet. So every time I move, she's like, and I'm like, oh, you're just constantly worried. I'm going to accidentally step on you. Like, I mean, not always, but she's always underfoot and I'm tripping over her and she has terrible depth perception. So she like runs into things. (laughs) It's sad and cute all at the same time. But yeah, so it is interesting to be like, the world is so different to you down there, isn't it? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like stepping into someone else's shoes for a moment, seeing the world from someone else's perspective, whether that's your pet or maybe even if you have children, your child. I know like oh, being around children is so expansive. Oh. They're just, they're just oh, such in touch creatures. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you so much. And what is your favorite way to connect with people? Like when and if people yeah. want more, where should they go find you? <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much, Erica, for having me. Yeah, I'm just like on this video. I know it won't be there, but I'm just smiling so big. My face, like I'm like having my cheeks, like oh, my face hurts <laughs> smiling so much. But my favorite way to connect with people, Instagram, Instagram for sure is such a beautiful way to just be in community, be in connection, be social with each other. So yes, absolutely. Come find me over there if you desire to. And again, Erica, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So nourishing, such a gift. Beautiful. And we will drop all of your contact information in the show notes. So of course people can look there. And otherwise, if you made it to the end of the episode and you loved it, you got some value from it, either take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, tag us and tell us one thing you took away from this. Or if you know someone who might just need this medicine today, just send them, send them the episode. Don't even say anything. Just be like, Hey, out of you and just get this out to more people. And don't forget to stay curious. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.